Welcome to Signs of Life, Exploring Survival of Consciousness, brought to you by Forever Family Foundation, on the web at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. I call your name, the echo is haunting, the echo is always the same. I call your name, the echo is haunting, an echo can never be changed, so I call your And welcome to the gathering on Signs of Life Radio. I'm Bob Ginsberg, and I'm here with Tom and Melissa Gould. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we will be, as we do in every gathering, addressing questions that you have emailed in. Or please feel free to call us during the show um, and ask a question or discuss something. Uh, the number here is 888-627-6008. And before we get started, just just a couple of things. I know the um, raffle where you could win a a reading with one of five certified mediums has about another month to go. So um, you have a chance for five bucks to um, support the work of the foundation and win a reading with a a certified medium. And um, some of these mediums, as you know, have very extensive waiting list. So here's your chance to, to get in and, and get a reading in a reasonable amount of time. Um, there's a webinar coming up on May 24th, uh, Living with Ghosts. Uh, the information is on our website under the event section, so you can register for that. Um, other than that, grief retreats, unfortunately, uh, for those wishing to get in are, are, are all um Booked up, but you can get on the waiting list for any particular retreat by sending an email to FFF at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. And by the way, the next event, uh, retreat that we'll be posting will be in March of next year, uh, but we're going to get that up within the next month or two because the others are all filled up. So we want to give people a chance to, to get in. Uh, that's all I have about that. So we can get into some of the, we've got quite a number of emails with questions and we'll get right into it. Let's see the first one. I'd, I'd really like to hear your opinion on the following. Um, what are the chances that after you die, you will be re- reunited with loved ones? Will that be a brief meeting or on passing or can it be long for a longer period? And then adds a question, if souls reincarnate, how are all those spirits still out there? Well, a couple of questions there. If we, um, the first one is, what are the chances that after you die, you'll be reunited with loved ones? From what we know, the chances are really good. Because <laughs> um, that seems to be what the mediums tell us. Um that seems to be what the majority of near-death experiencers tell us. Um, so I think that our loved ones are waiting for us, and they're not impatient. They, they just know it. they'll see us when they see us. That's that's the way it is. Um, I don't think you guys would disagree with that, would you, Tom? No. no. Complete agreement. Yeah. As far as will, will that be a brief meeting or on passing, or can it be for longer? 
I guess we really don't know. Um, I mean, for, all we know is that they will greet you, whether they they need to get back to what they were doing and put you in the, the good hands of others, or we can't really say. Uh, but um, I think it's we can all feel rest assured that we will reunite. Um, the last question, maybe Tom, you want to ch- you want to tackle that? If souls reincarnate, how are all those spirits still out there? Uh, okay, that's an interesting. I'm trying to figure exactly what they're asking. I think I think what they're asking, Tom, is because if if the, if 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 the souls are all in the afterlife realm, right. um, and then they choose to you know to come back. And they're not up there. And they're not up there. Yeah. So. It's time for you to blow my mind again. With this <laughs> story. Well, actually, um, uh, well, first of all, not every spirit reincarnates necessarily. Uh, we've right. Uh, there are different levels. We're at a different, we're at one level f- vibrationally frequency wise. And then when you lose this body, you go to another level frequency-wise, but I have uh, an understanding that there are other levels above that. So you could be going up rather than coming back down. Uh, and uh, but the the big question is well, and a lot of people. This leads into somebody else's question: is well, if if my loved one has reincarnated and then I pass over, how am I going to see them again? Uh, and and with that, I. It was a question that came up at the, the last grief retreat, and uh, John Holland handled it very well, so I'm going to borrow from his description, is that our soul is like a hard drive on your computer. And on that hard drive, you have apps. Well, our existence here on this planet right now is an app. Your hard drive is still your hard drive. When you finish with this app, this life, you're going to go back to the hard drive. And that's where, so you never leave that necessarily. You just call up a different app. If you want to live in the 17th century, you call up that app. You want to live on Earth right now, you call up that app. You know, so it's, they're all apps as part of your souls, but it, your soul is still a part of the large, unobstructed universe. I'm not computer literate, so that's still a hard question. <laughs> Here's an interesting question. Do, do people fall in love on the other side? If you didn't find it on this planet, could it happen in the afterlife? Just curious. Um, gee, I don't, I don't see why not. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, as as entities of energy and thought on the other side, we have emotions, deeper emotions than we have here. Um, And although we may be connected to everybody in some way, uh, there are many souls on the other side that we didn't know and we're probably meeting for the first time. So it's not physical love, but it's, I don't see why we, it couldn't happen. That's never been asked before. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think, and, uh, you know, from the near-death experiences we've uh, heard about, 
uh, one of the first things that people are struck with when they momentarily cross the other side is just how much love they feel uh, on the other side. And, you know, if I can tell anecdotic, anecdotally, uh, we had a, a volunteer for the Forever Family Foundation who had several, uh, at least two near-death experiences. And uh, she uh, felt back here on earth that she had trouble finding love on a physical plane because nothing could match the love she felt in the near-death experience. So not only will you find love on the other side, it'll be much greater than any love that's here on earth. And yeah, know, it's, also yeah, they okay. say people, um, well, at least in our favorite testimony of light story, that on the other side, souls of similar nature find themselves grouped together, which always struck me more importantly as if you're um, a, a vain person and hiding it here in the physical form when you get to the other side, or if you're putting on a front for people, as we've sometimes met folks who do that all drops away when you get to the other side. So similarly, somebody who's who's crossed over will find themselves in a like-minded soul group. So it might be natural that they find themselves drawn to another spirit of similar. That how often people you see couples that look like one another that have come together and and it might be similar with the souls that like my like like spirits find one another. Um, here's a question: When getting a medium reading, is there anything the sitter can do to prepare to help the medium connect to their energy more easily? You know, the only the only thing would be possibly and we usually suggested is that before the reading, maybe say a little uh, silent prayer or send your thoughts out to your person in spirit that you like to communicate with and, and ask them to, to come through the medium, right? And other than that, it's just really uh, remaining open and, and, and sort of uh, let anything that comes through come through. I don't know if you have any, you guys have any other suggestions for that. Yeah. I mean, I think we should caveat that because lead this into, yes, that is a thing you can do. Uh, but the the bottom line is it's not in your control. It's not in the medium's control. It's in the control of the spirit. Now, whether the spirit is able to lower their vibration to be able to communicate or if they're available to communicate uh, or if they have trouble connecting with the particular medium with you, there are a lot of variables that can restrict uh, a reading and uh, uh, as you said Bob the best thing to do is to before you go for a reading to uh, meditate and uh, and ask your loved one to come and see you uh, but again nothing's guaranteed in that right, right. you should dro drop all expectations and just be open to whoever comes through yeah most of the well I don't know to say most of the time but a lot of the time you were going to hear from somebody you had no 
expectation of hearing from uh, and and it, it'll throw you I, I i've i've sat for mediums many many times and i'm constantly amazed when when you're actually in this situation um it's overwhelming and and the medium will tell you something and if you're concentrated oh i want to i want to hear from my my father i want to hear from my father and then your uncle comes through and it's not matching with your father and you're going well I, you know it, it it confuses you uh and one reason uh that it's very good to always bring some sort of recording device uh most people's phone has a, has a voice recorder on it and and be sure to record your sessions because uh, as i say i've had many readings and oftentimes i don't understand what's being given to me at that time but i go home and i listen to the recordings or i talk to a relative who knew the situation better and then a couple of days later i go oh that's what they were talking about so yeah don't expect uh, to get everything you want or need right at the moment it, very important to uh, to make a recording so that you can revisit the readings. And I'd also like to add that I, I people might disagree with me, but I always approach. I haven't had that many one on one readings for myself, but the couple that I've had, I approached it open minded, and I knew I was going to be enjoying a conversation with a loved one. I didn't know which loved one it was going to be, but. Each time I approached it like that, I was not disappointed. And I've, I've, this is where people might disagree with me. I don't like to just give a no. If the medium says, do you understand that? I don't want to say no. I'd prefer to say, well, let me think about it, or I wrote it down, or I'll listen to this recording again. But I sometimes feel like that no just stops, sort of gets them stuck for a moment. And so that's just my approach. And also, as we've heard, don't sit there with your arms crossed and look like you have an attitude like, I'm, you know, you're challenging them. Be open. You can always dispute it in your mind later or with others. But in the moment, be as open as you possibly can. Yeah. Another thing is take what you get. Uh, I've, I've had several people that I've seen after a reading i said well how was your reading well my husband came through and yeah then they got this right and this right they're sorry but they didn't mention anything about our boat and it's like well <laughs> that's not gonna always happen you know take what you the message you did get and don't worry about what you didn't get yeah right. i would add more so that there are some things that you just have to say no to like if the, medium, if the medium says to you, is your husband in spirit? That's a clear no. Well, <laughs> right? okay. You don't say, oh, I'm going to think about that. <laughs> You're right, Mom. I'm glad you added that. I, I, certainly, I certainly would be discerning. Thank yeah. you. All right. So here's an interesting thing. This listener, she was listening to our Mediums and Messages radio show. Um and she writes, when a sudden thought popped into my head, and I wondered, wondered if my lost loved one is with her aunt who passed around 20 years ago. I haven't thought about this lady in a long time, as I didn't really know her, 
but my loved one was close to her. I was then trying to remember her name. And just at that moment, the name came through as a message for the caller on the show. So she wants to know, was my original thought a message from spirit because they knew the name was about to come up, which would remind me. I tend to think though, we see, we're always saying that if somebody in spirit wants to get through, they're going to find a way to get through. And and we don't know how they do it, but it seems that way. So there is the possibility that her loved one sees that mediums and messages opportunity to, because they knew that she was listening to mention that name and it might not have meant anything to the, the person that the medium was reading, but it meant something to her. You guys have seen that. Oh yeah. A lot, right. Yeah. And that's another thing to uh, also bring up is there, uh, there's a lot of what they call piggybacking, where a spirit will come through for somebody on this side of the room, but three or four of the things are exactly for you. And you're thinking, well, it can't be for me because they're over there reading this other person. You can take that because, yes, spirit will as you just mentioned, they see the opportunity to get a message through and they will piggyback on uh, on somebody else's message to throw you something. So that that is very real, yes. So it means that it doesn't necessarily mean the message coming through is for you, but your spirit is there as well, encouraging you to pay attention. Or as Bob mentioned, where the uh, the sitter who's being read doesn't understand it, whereas you understand mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, it is for you. I know in a group reading that we've seen with one of um, our certified mediums, she'll announce to the group all these different bits of information, you know, a father, and I'm seeing someone in military, and I'm seeing cancer, and she'll go on for a bit and then she'll say how many of you can claim that and hands go up and then all can you claim all of it and someone will say well the name in the military and then she'll say well what about you and that person might claim all the pieces so that's how she discerns who she's with yeah and when they do that you know just to clarify I mean, if somebody mentions one particular fact in a group and five people raise their hand. It's not that very evidential, right? But but if they they go on um, before they ask for a show of hands and they mention two f- uh, facts that are somewhat obscure, then statistically it becomes more improbable. You know, and if they mention five or six or seven different pieces of information, if you calculate the odds as Dr. Parasetti, you know, has done, then sometimes the odds are astronomical, you know, that it would, that it would fit, you know, fit somebody by coincidence. So, you know, it's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Here's a question. I mean, we've discussed this a lot on the show, but any thoughts about IADC induced after death communication as an extension of EMDR therapy? Uh, yeah. I mean, we, um, some of our um, people are trained in IADC, like, like Dr. Mohanna, um, it's a very effective uh, process um, about doesn't work with everybody, but about 70 percent of the people that go through the IADC procedure have encounters with deceased loved ones. So, yeah, I, we think that 
induced after death communication is a form of evidence um, of survival. So um, we think anybody that's looking to explore that should. Here's a question. Um, if my loved one died by suicide, does he remember how and why he passed in this manner? The evidence seems to show that everybody remembers the ma- the manner in which they pass, whether it be suicide or cancer or a heart attack. And, and we know this because that's one of the bits of evidence that they convey to the medium. The medium says, oh, did your loved one die from a heart attack, die from cancer and so forth? So, yeah, I think that they recognize that they died by suicide. Um, and... Um, you know, they they may regret it, you know, just like anybody might regret something that they have done uh, in the in the physical life. Um, and then it goes on from there. I mean, it's progress and, and, and you know, they get help and, and so forth. But um, I certainly think that most people, if not all people, remember how they died. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's one of the first uh items of evidence that they, as you say, the mediums, especially the ones who were taught at the Arthur Finley School yeah. in England, their their first uh, order of business is to establish the cause of death and uh, as, as evidence that they've got your loved one. Mm-hmm. And yes, they do know. In fact, a lot of times uh, I will hear a medium say, well, they're, they're accepting responsibility for their passing which could mean a suicide, or it could clear up things. Somebody who has a drug overdose and the police come in and rule it a suicide, uh, often the spirit comes through and says, no, I didn't mean to kill myself, it just happened. So you do get a very specific information as to whether it was a legitimate, legitimate whether it was an actual suicide or, or an accident. Yeah, I, I would imagine there are circumstances where there's confusion. I mean, let's say I was shopping in the supermarket and there was a massive explosion. And the next thing I know, you know, I wake up and I'm in another realm. I don't know how you know, it, it happened. Uh, you know, maybe I could put the pieces together, so to speak. But um, but in most cases, yeah, I think people know um, how they passed. Uh, here's another one. Having had sessions with talented mediums, I have received evidence of loved one's persistence after death. However, I sometimes wonder if what comes through is from living beings or from the thoughts or impressions related to memory or emotion that linger but are accessible somehow, either in a larger human consciousness or perhaps even in my own subconscious. Can you address this? Well, you know, it's one of the common um, arguments against mediumship, but it's always been that first they say the mediums are reading people's minds. Um, others have said, which the person alluded to in the question, that maybe there's this greater um, information field of human consciousness, and the medium somehow is able to pick out that information from this enormous data field, um, which seems just as imp- more, maybe more improbable than yeah. communicating, you know, with the dead. Um, and of course, the best argument is stuff that um, comes through that the sitter is unaware of. The medium and the sitter are totally unaware of it, and later they find out to be true. 
Um, and, and as we've discussed many times, picking out data from an information field is different than how do you extract somebody's personality where the medium starts taking on the personality of, of, of the loved one. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been an argument. It's always been an argument or they're just reading my mind, but, you know, we know that some of the scientists do studies in blinded protocol. So that eliminates the possibility because it's not even the, the real sitter that's in there. It's a proxy, you know, sitter. So, um, I think that we've studied this enough to say that the best explanation is communication, you know, with the dead. You have anything you want to add to that, Tom? Yeah, just a, an example. Uh, I know, I, I believe it was Angelina that talks about a story where she was reading something and the sister and the other sister, and she said, well, your sister was uh, quite the writer in the first and the sister who was getting the reading said, I, I don't know about that being a writer. I never knew about that. And she goes, well, go, there's a, there's a, a chest up uh, upstairs and she's got journals in there. And the other one's like, nah, that doesn't sound like my sister. Well, sure enough, she went home. She went up to the chest. She opened it up. There were journals. So you couldn't read the mind of somebody who didn't even know that they were there. And, uh, and then as the caller question started that they've been to many very good mediums and and a good medium can tell the difference between if they're just reading psychically your aura and that sort of thing or if they're getting a communication from the other side because they come to them in different ways and and from different directions true okay um I have read of the books mentioned on your show, like the ones by Anthony Borgia. He says that they live in houses, they meaning people in spirit. Yet in other books, I've read that there's no need for houses. So we don't have any physical bodies that need shelter. What's your take on this? Um, I, I, some, we've, we've discussed this before. I, you know, I, I think that we can manifest what we want. So if we're, comfortable um, in living in a house, maybe the same house that we lived in in the physical, we can make that happen. Um, or if we, if we, um, we don't have any need for food, but if we were a foodie in the physical, we have a yen for something, we can manifest that. So, yeah, I mean, when we say that we live in houses, it's, I guess that's only for the people that desire to do so. Um, I know I've read, a lot of these channel books where people talk about, you know, these vast libraries, you know, and places of learning and, and, and so forth. Um, and maybe that's not an individual choice. That's like a collective choice of, you know, that, that, that people wanted, but um, I don't know. You think you guys are going to live in a, in a house? <laughs> I really like houses. I just am drawn to houses. But our son-in-law is more about camping in the woods, and I don't know if he'd really find the need for a house. Yeah, you know, just, I think you can manifest though whatever whatever would be your your desired. Yeah, food. and the food too. You know what? Right now, I could think about you know perhaps uh, the way chocolate mousse tastes, and I could think about it. And I don't actually need to go eat it. I just can remember the texture and the flavor. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it was interesting about the uh, allusion to libraries. 
because I was reading a book, Raymond Moody, one of the first to talk about uh, near-death experiences. And what he found was that people come back, a large percentage of people who come back from a near-death experience immediately sign up for classes. They feel that they need to continue their education. And, uh, and this book I'm reading right now, getting through almost to the end, The Unobstructed Universe, uh, they talk about when, the quantity of life, that you have a quantity of life. And if you've got, if your quantity of life is good, when you cross over, it's an easier transition because you will feed off of that quantity and, and grow. I, I'm still trying to formulate some sort of understanding that I can explain or, or, or grasp. And it's still nebulous, but the, yeah. I, I, I was struck with those comments. I, I, I've read that book and found myself reading the same chapter two, three times to try to get it to sink in. Some of it is yeah. rough. Yeah. Um, let's take a call. We have um, Cassie from California on the line. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we, yes, we can. Welcome to the gathering. Okay. Did, you, did you have a question? Thank or you. Uh, I do have a question. Um, I guess it would be, if this makes sense, how, you know, sometimes we recently lost someone we loved, very close in the family, and sometimes I see different things happening, like lights or different, or birds coming around that never did before, and I'm like wondering... Is that something I'm wishing for, or are they sometimes signs from from our loved ones letting us know they're okay? Well, is, is there you know, a way? You know, the, the only way to really determine it is is like an inner feeling. Uh, you know, if if something unusual happens, um, like a, a bird comes that you normally don't see. Or, or a bird that just, you know, hovers nearby. Um, if mm-hmm. a cut, if you get that feeling mm-hmm. that it's your loved one, and not not the bird, not that the bird is your loved one, but your loved one is sending the bird your way, then I would I would say it's a sign. You know, it, we always talk about the signs being attached attached to some inner knowing that you have. So um, it depends if something is really. Um, rare and um and doesn't doesn't happen that much and all of a sudden it happens or a lot of people talking about you know missing their loved one and then suddenly the song comes on the on the radio um that um your loved one used to love or you're behind a car and you're thinking about your loved one and boom there's a license plate that directly um is related you know to your loved one i mean a lot of people accept that as as really you know great signs. So it, it really is up to you. But we do know that our loved ones will send signs. I mean, people have been receiving signs, um, you know, since the dawn of man. So it's whether you choose to accept them and recognize them. Um, so it's very likely that these things are communications from your person. Yeah, and uh, and realize that your loved one is pure energy now and. And being energy, it's easy for the, I don't know, easy may be the wrong word, but often they can implant that energy 
into your electrical system where a TV will turn on or off, lights will flicker on and off, things like that. They can do that because they meld with the electricity and they bring their energy in to create that. And I believe, too, uh, in birds and small animals, uh, their brains are like our brains, but they're not sophisticated enough to to doubt things. And, uh, and so if you get into the synapses of a, a bird, you can say, well, fly over to that uh, that tree right now and look in the window, things like that. They can be manipulated in that way. And I like to remember how it makes you feel because, as you said, you've lost somebody recently and you're, you're grieving them and then suddenly something catches your eye and it, you might not have even in that moment been thinking about them, but then that bird gets your attention and you're like, oh, that's unusual. And you start thinking about what that could mean. Your grief, you know, sort of calms down for a moment because you're busy now thinking, could that be my loved one? And they're visiting me. And the way it makes you feel is is what's important. Yeah, and I, okay. I remember when my father passed away and my mother got the call. And uh, I live uh, about five minutes from her. And, and then she called me and told me that he was gone and obviously she was upset so I jumped in my car and and went over to see her and as soon as I turned my car on the uh, Mary Wells song nothing you can say can take me away from my guy and now now that's been almost 20 years now but every time I hear that song I think of my father and and my mother and and uh Mm, what a nice memory Mm -hmm. so embrace embrace them Cassie Okay. And also, and also, I will. also, it's you know, if you wanted to, almost keep a little sign journal and jot down notes, because then when you're talking about it later, you might doubt yourself and think, what, what was that? And then you might see how many times the sign appears while you were thinking of something or while you were doing something else, but then it caused you to think about your loved one. So there's so much more to it than we can understand. Yeah, that's an excellent uh, point, because a a lot of times the the signs are very subtle, like I say, a song or a bird or a coin on the ground or a feather or something like that. And you think, "Eh, that's coincidence or, "Eh, you know, I see that all the time. But if you keep a journal and after, you know, months or you go back and you read the journal and you see just how connected and how the patterns form it. It really helps. Okay. Thank you. I will do that. Hope that addresses some of your question, Cassie. Thanks for calling. It does. And I want to thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Here's one. I I don't quite know what to make of it. Maybe you guys do. Um, This person had a reading with one of our certified mediums, and the medium relate i won't read the whole thing but the medium relayed information from uh this person's son who transitioned to the afterlife about five months ago and and the son had a lot of uh, issues while in, in this life and the her son according to the medium said that she was um training the son was saying that that she's training to do higher work with the council who are ethereal beings 
uh, in a beautiful, heavenly, majestic building with with a buttress and columns, and she wants to know what this means. Well, I don't know what what it means. I mean, the uh, first of all, I mean, it's not anything um, that we can validate. Obviously, you know, it's not a piece of evidence that we can say whether whether it's true or not. Um, it's rare that we see the medium communicate things like that, you know, that the, but maybe the, the, the medium is getting it from the sun and maybe sun, the sun is seeing her future, you know, her, her, um, after her demise of physical death. Um, and we know we were just talking about people report these buildings with, with, buttresses and, and so forth and the beautiful setting and near-death experiences talk about similar things. So maybe the medium was getting a glimpse of what's yet to come for her. What do you, what do you think? I hope, I hope that the sitter, the person receiving this information didn't feel that meant the end was near for her because time is irrelevant on the other side and, so whatever the medium may have been seeing could be, you know, decades away. I don't know the age of the woman, but it, it certainly could be just for seeing what's in store for her. Yeah. And I don't know about the building, but I, I again, in a reading from my father through a medium, talked about appealing to the higher beings uh, to help with a, a problem. And... Uh, so yes, and what we talked about before that there are levels of vibration and frequency that you're we're here, they're here, but there are more above. And you can I guess if you're you're in the middle there and you need help, you can go appeal to the what they call a council. Yeah. This this is a long question and I'm not gonna get into all of it, but basically uh they're asking um about mediums channeling religious figures like Jesus or Yeshua or so forth, Muhammad. Um, I've never, at least with the mental mediums that we're familiar with, had any of them that said that they're getting direct, indirect communication with a, a religious figure. I mean, they may receive inspiration from them but in terms of of channeling information that's something that um i've never heard um i i i I, hate to say we you know i'd be skeptical just because that sounds um well i i'm sorry i'm thinking of the word almost pompous like you're you're connected to you know, Jesus and, or you, and, but, but having said that, why not? <laughs> I mean, why not? If somebody yeah. walked to the earth at one well, point. Well, you don't have to be, I guess you don't have to be a medium. There are many people that will tell you that they communicate with God on a regular basis, you know, so, you know, that why not communicate, you know, with Jesus or any other a founder, of, you know, of religion. It's just, we've never come across it, you know, and the mediums <clears throat> um, 
that we've come across have, have never have never witnessed any any of that going on. So that's the only thing we could say about that. Um, here's one that was concerning. You know, she, this woman went to a psychic um, who said that her daughter, who recently crossed, um, was in limbo and that there was darkness. And she goes on that her daughter was was handicapped and nonverbal and autistic. Um, do you have any thoughts on the handicap crossing? Because she said, I would have thought that, you know, her daughter would have gone, you know, straight up with the angels. And um, I actually responded to this person when I saw her because I said, A, it sounds like you went to a psychic and not a medium. And she confirmed that it was a psychic who I don't know where she came across her, but um, was giving her all sorts of stuff. And I mean, I reassured her that mediums, again, in readings, they they never, have you ever seen a medium communicate that somebody was in limbo? No. no. Never. Because there full. isn't a limbo, really. Yeah. I mean, hundreds and hundreds. And, and why would you say that to somebody? And that there was darkness, you know? I mean, that's something that an ethical practitioner, an evidential medium would never do. So, um, and, and. You know, as far as what somebody's physical condition has no bearing on their passing and where they wind up, you know, in, you know, in the afterlife. So the whole thing was just preposterous, but it just pisses me off, you know, that somebody yeah. would give information like that, right? Yeah. Me too. I mean, any sort of disability that was it a daughter had? would drop away i mean it, it, she would just be a, a spirit yeah able-bodied as any other spirit on yeah. the other side i've been That's witness to many readings of uh someone who was in a wheelchair and they come back and say hey i'm dancing now yeah. you know so and 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 the near-death experience it's all light it's love and light when you get there so uh yeah i i the be wary, yeah. There's probably way more charlatans than there are uh, legitimate mediums, so yeah. be careful. Um, here's one, Ken. Our loved ones in spirit continue to do the things that they loved on their earth, such as play sports and music. Well, I know that Tom's going to be playing guitar on the other side, yeah, so that's, I mean, that, right. that's given. Um, and we talked about this. I mean, pretty much we feel that they could do whatever they want to do. So I, I think that um, it doesn't end. Perhaps it just begins. And I shudder to think what kind of guitar player you're going to be in the afterlife. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, uh, in the book, I just read a chapter in the Unobstructed Universe where they talk about um, that there are really no geniuses here on Earth, that all of the genius moments, most of them, they, they, they did leave a little thing that sometimes some earthbound person can be genius, but that all of the great discoveries were given to these people, uh, and they attest to it. Einstein said his theory of relativity came to him in a dream. We talk about music. Keith Richards wrote Satisfaction from a dream. He woke up from a dream. He had satisfaction in his mind. He quickly grabbed his guitar and, and 
and started uh, you know recording it. And then when he got up in the morning, uh, he he went to the tape and he found three minutes of him playing music and then an hour of him snoring. <laughs> uh, Paul McCartney wrote "Let It Be" from a dream. So yeah, a lot of uh, and I feel that way. I feel that the songs I've written have been gifts that I was able to pluck out of the the ether, not that I created it from below. So yeah, yeah, it, it, it's very interesting. Um, I guess the key is also to differentiate, being able to differentiate whether this is a download from some non-physical source versus some internal conscious thought that your brain is generating because yeah. there's a mixture of both, you know, I mean, I'm, I was just pondering that I wrote an article about, and I'm, you know, about thoughts. If I asked you how you received thought, um, I don't know if, if you could answer me. I mean, do you hear your own thoughts? Does it come across like uh, verbally or do you see the words or very few people can describe it? Mainly because nobody even thinks about it. I mean, we don't pay attention to how we breathe or how we see. It just happens, and and we just think. But we never stop to think of how that that process takes place. But I think the key is, as Tom said, that artists um, and inventors and composers and, and and so forth they they know when they're getting this inspiration from an outside force and they treasure it and they wait for it, you know? So it's it's really a, an interesting concept. Um, Some more questions are, are our loved ones in spirit able to move physical objects? Um, And we say, yes. Um, Psychokinesis of mind affecting matter happens in the physical world. And it also happens. Somebody still has a conscious mind, um, in the afterlife realm, so they can still move objects. And as Tom was mentioning, you know, lights and movement of objects. So, yeah, that, that happens all the time, manifestations of, of energy. Um, follow-up question, do we need to talk out loud to them or are they able to read our minds? You want to address that, Melissa? I believe that it helps you if you want to speak out loud, but I know that they can read our minds. They know our thoughts. And often in readings, you'll hear the sitter say, could you ask him why or ask him where? And the, and the medium should say, you don't need me to ask him. He's hearing you right now. Or, you know, you, you, you don't need that conduit, but I think it's not as though all of our thoughts are being read by them, but if we direct our thought at them, I know lately for myself, if I can't find something in the house or I can't retrieve the, a name or something along those lines, I'll look for help. <laughs> and I'll just go, mom, help me remember this. Help me remember to sit quiet. And I pretty much always get, Either, you know, one could just say, oh, I just remembered. Well, no, I'm giving mom credit for that, that, you know, she helped me remember that word. And I'll tell you something silly, not so silly that I did today, but I keep photographs of my parents 
and Tom's on a desk in our living room. So every single day when I walk into that room, I can greet them. Well, recently I pulled out of our attic uh, an old landline phone. It's not, it's still a touch, touch tone, is it? I'd like a rotary one. But I saw that sitting in the hallway upstairs. I picked it up and I started talking. And that felt so good. It was, I mean, I did not get a response. I wasn't waiting or looking for one. <laughs> yeah. But I've heard that news story not that long ago where somebody has put an old rotary phone out in the woods somewhere. And I, I would like to see more of that. I, I can't picture a line of people. I mean, I don't want to picture a line of people outside, like at the old phone booths, waiting for their turn on the phone. So I'd rather have someone have their own. Because then I, when I had this little experience, I thought, oh, where could I put this phone outside that the weather wouldn't damage it? Because that would that would be even more powerful for me to be outside in nature where you almost might think you are getting a response or you will get a response. So I don't, oh, good. no, I've lost track of the questions. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of that, uh, I believe it was Thomas Edison who, uh, when he, at the time of his death, he was working. His goal was to invent a phone that could phone spirit world. And there are people today that are still trying to develop that. So that'll be interesting if it ever comes to pass. Yeah. And sometimes it's not the apparatus itself. It's just um, spirit finding a way. I know uh, Cal Cooper in his, his book, Telephone Calls from the Dead, I mean, talks about a, you know, a non-working old, um, you know, phone that was on the wall. Uh, I think it was a pay phone, you know, attached, but it wasn't. There were no wires attached to it or telephone lines attached, and and yet people were still getting um, voices from it, you know. So, yeah. um, and remember that um, uh, Bocce uh, in Italy, who um, did all the um, EVP and instrumental transcommunication work, he had this old transistor radio, and people used to come from all over the world and sit with him. And he would pick up voices over these transistor tubes, you know, that, that were in the, the radio. And then one day, um, he, the, the, the tubes broke or he decided to take out all of the tubes. So it was non-functional and yet the voices still came through. So, you know, it, if, the, if they want to get through, they're going to get through. It doesn't matter what kind of apparatus, you know, you know, that you have. Yeah, that reminds me of a story I've told several times, but I love it. So uh, I was in Maine. Uh, I was on a radio program, and I had just I had a copy of a new song that a friend of mine, Jerry Duggar, uh, did a cover of one of my songs, and I was so excited about it. I played it on the radio, and then uh, we went to a break, and the door opened, and one of the interns came in and handed a a note to the DJ that said. Um, that he knew Jerry and wanted me to say hi to Jerry for him. He was a bartender at the Dan Lynch Blues Bar in New York City. So I went back to New York and I came and saw Jerry and I said, hey, Jerry, you know, Mike said hi. Mike who? The bartender from uh, Dan Lynch. And he, and he just, his mouth dropped open because the guy had died two weeks earlier. So it's it happens. And there, yeah. here's, 
how can you make that up? I mean, this the person knew the name, the, the everything. This person in Maine who had no clue who any of these people were. And Bob had that experience with his own doctor at one point who yeah. knew, who had a phone call. Yeah, we don't have time for that now, but we have a few minutes left. Here, here, here was one that made me think. You know, uh, the question was, how do spirits connect with you? Will people and spirits who you knew a long time ago be able to reach you if you think of them? I listen to all the old Forever Family Foundation radio shows. She says, would Fran know I'm thinking of her even though we never met? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that's possible. I mean, I, you know, we are all connected. I think by thinking of somebody, it somehow crystallizes that that connection. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, sort of like collapsing the wave, you know. Um, yeah. So maybe that's true that, um, you know, it's the same principle. We are not, you, you know, yet you start, you wake up one morning and you're thinking about a friend of yours who you haven't seen in 20 years. And then you get an email or a phone call from that friend out of the blue that you haven't seen or talked to in 20 years, like you were thinking of them and it sort of collapsed the wave. And now you, that connection is crystallized. So, um, so I think that it, it doesn't matter chronologically, you know, how long it's been, you know, it's if you're thinking of them somehow in ways that we can't really understand the connection is made and, 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 and it happens. So. And I Same. think it's important yeah. to say their name. So if this gal, you know, just says, hi, Fran, I'm thinking of you. I've been telling people this. I think it's like in a crowded room when you hear your name and you suddenly tune into what are they saying about me? Even though it's a busy, crowded conversation through, around the whole room and you hear your name, you lean in to listen. And yeah. I think spirit does that, too. I think so. One of the great mysteries we'll we'll find out eventually. So I love a mystery. <laughs> and especially ones that could really happen. Yeah. Well, we've reached uh, just about the end of our time. Thanks to everybody who sent their questions in. We'll see you uh, next month with the gathering show and keep those questions coming in or call us. Um, thanks, everybody. And Oh, I'd like to say our loved ones are... Only a heartbeat away. And science is going to prove it. Good night, everyone. Good night.